For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker. I'm here with BMAC, Ryan McKinney. We played for the Vikings for a decade, then the Ravens and Dolphins. We've also got Ron Saw and Sally from Minneapolis joining us. We're going to get into the Vikings news stories of the week following a topsy-turvy, go figure, triumph over the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to talk about some of the emotions from that roller coaster, going to Adam Thielen stuff for Monday night. Over the Vikings point spread, maybe some Darasaw stuff, maybe touch on the mock draft type of stuff, and ask Sally her segment. She usually got a good talking point for us to marinate on. That's what we're going to do. First, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is back and better than ever. A new web interface for the rest of the NBA season and more props, odds, and lines are available than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use the promo code BLEAV50, believe 50, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right on down to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. The Vikings were triumphant over the Steelers, 34-26 at U.S. Bank Stadium uh, about a week ago now on Thursday night. Uh, it was a game that was very odd because it felt, well, we were putting on a display of dominance for about two hours of real time, hour and 45 minutes. And it felt like it would be a game that you could probably dip in the fourth quarter and go get something to eat and celebrate a big blowout that you've been craving for about two years. But no, couldn't do that. No, we had to make it very, very interesting, way too interesting, almost sad. And they salvaged a victory with a defensive play. Um, Ron, you you ended up going to the game, right? Uh, No, I went to a bar downtown, so I tailgated. And went to the bar. Tailgated after and stayed out a lot longer than I should have. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, Sally. I was going to say, Ron and I still celebrated like it was blowout. Don't worry. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we'll get into that too. So I want to hear those details. All right, Ron. So I want you to first, since, um, since you got to see it, maybe you were a little feeling decent with your buzz or whatever. I want to know, describe your emotions in the middle, in the beginning, afterward. Tell me about it all. Well, you know, so I woke up in the morning and I'm like, all right, you know, win or loss, um, you know, I'm just excited to see a game, you know, on a primetime game, whatever they're always, that added element's always fun. Then the news comes out that Dalvin may play and I'm like, don't do this. Don't tell me that he's going to play and then plays like he did in the Browns game where he didn't get much run. And, you know, from a fantasy perspective, that's where I'm thinking. I'm like, I have Madison in right now. Let me be able to leave that. So my mind was back and forth all day. And I'm like, if cook goes, I have to play him. Like you can't not play him. Um, So I was like, you know what, if he's going to play, I trust that it's not just because uh, he says he's okay to go. I think, realistically if he can go he's going um and it worked out obviously but so as the game's going it's like all right well cook looks great this offensive line is just mauling the sealers d line he, he's not getting touched until he's about eight yards downfield so it's great like let's keep this going you know kirk's mixing in um you know the passing game's doing well um also and jefferson gets his touchdown so it's like wow like we're gonna blow out a team and then two minutes in the third quarter comes and, you know, Chris Boyd gets a penalty, keeps the play, the drive alive. And then it's like, well, here we go. Like what is going on? And it, at that point, then it was just shock. Like 
how is this happening? And then, you know, the first interception, like I, I watched the game again on Friday while I was at work, like just on my second monitor and uh, just because plays that I missed or whatnot. So obviously Jefferson should have caught it. So that wasn't on Kirk, but the second one was Kirk made a bad throw, but it's like, they're going to come back, aren't they? And then they post up uh, 28 points is the largest deficit ever blown in the regular season. I'm like, the Vikings are going to be the team to make it 29. So everything all the way up until the Friar move drop when Harrison made a great play on the ball, it was just shock. Not so much of a surprise of what was going to happen, but just like, how is this happening so fast when decrepit Ben, like nothing against big Ben, but he clearly has games where he can't throw the ball at all. His arm looks like a 40 year old quarterback. And then all of a sudden, Oh, give him 14 minutes um, to go in the game. And it's, marching down the field, scoring touchdowns, getting the ball back, scoring touchdowns. Um, And then when we had the KJ Osborne long play, it's like, all right, okay. Very much um, an answer that we needed, but then they still made it interesting at the end. So I still don't know what to think of it. It was just a very Vikings way for it to happen, to basically take a win and turn it into like the Lions game. Was it really a win? Like, yes, it's a win in the scorebook, but just, uh, I mean, a win's a win. I'll take it. We're still uh, kicking, but man, there was a lot of emotions there. <laughs> Bryant, I asked you this after the Lions game that we won, the one where we it felt like we lost, but we won, and that was through two and a half, three months ago, where they barely won. Um, I don't know if you ever involved in a game like this where there was quite that big of a meltdown before you salvaged it, but do players treat it like a win is a win is a win, or you know, did they walk back to the locker room and be like, that was some bullshit right there? Uh, I feel like at the end of the day, well, like players always say it doesn't have to be close, um, but at the end they do escape with a win, so I feel like people are kind of satisfied with a win. But, yeah, when it gets close like that, it is kind of like a little nerve-wracking. Yeah, I mean, they had a 29-point lead, and they were playing the best football they've played probably since 2019. But I feel like they always are playing great football (laughs) the first half. And then somewhere in the mid-third quarter, it just consistently – just kind of like slips away. Yeah. It's usually at the end of the first half. That's when you start to feel you're like, Oh, it's not going to last. Sally, you were there. Walk it, walk me through it for you. Well, obviously the first half was highly entertaining. Um, We haven't seen a performance like that all year. Um, Flo Rida was great (laughs) at halftime. Uh, forgot how many bangers he had. So that was super exciting. Um, the stadium was the loudest it's been all year by far. Uh, don't really understand where that came from, but um, glad people came out and gave a shit. Um, however, you know, the second half, Chris Boyd, I, I don't know why that was such a big momentum shift, but it seemed like it was. I, we can talk about that further. I'm sure we kind of all agree, though, that for somebody who's getting an opportunity, um, that's probably the complete opposite of how you want to um, carry yourself. About his Instagram post about it, too. <laughs> oh, I didn't see that. <laughs> he just posted the photo like of him flexing over the guy as like uh, another flex on Instagram. Like, no. Like, yeah. Like, so he was essentially boasting about that play even though it was a penalty that he got on it and it was just um it was a weird flex especially after you're getting shoved by anthony Barr, like after it happens and then to be like like i get it like it's an action shot it looks cool but it's also yeah like you got a penalty for that not just a penalty a penalty that led to a touchdown right right in the red started the yeah like what Yeah. yeah Okay, I didn't know that. Well, oh, yeah. that's a whole uh, <laughs> another layer. I mean, with him, it's like, first of all, you're getting an opportunity. You're not a starter. And then you need this game tape for next year to get yourself another job. What your limited tape that you're going to have, this is what you want to brag about. And he played well, too. Even like the one where he got mossed. Like if you're getting mossed on a play, you're in good position. The receiver just makes a play on it. So um, I thought he played well, but that, that one area was, uh, for whatever reason, it's, you know, he just wanted to pimp his, uh, his hit. I'm really surprised about the Instagram because I would assume that Zimmer chewed him out as it seemed did the veterans on the team. You looked like the fans were giving him shit throughout it. So, 
um, or they were like kind of putting him in his place about it. So, oh, on the in the comments, in the comments, I, I, think, I think he got confused about the coolness of the NBA when you dunk on somebody that you're like, oh yeah, we'll have this picture of the rest of my life. I, I that's the only thing. I'm this is me trying to rationalize how on earth you would oh. do that. So maybe he thought yeah. like this picture is really cool, like Muhammad Ali, like me standing right. over the guy. And and to like, be fair. The, the league rules are just dumb. Like, you know, but yeah. his you was obvious though. His wasn't was one of those this, this, fringe ones where it's like, uh, is that really taunting? His right. was clearly <laughs> intentional taunting. Right. But it, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, the rules are what they are. And you have to, you, you know, you can't, uh, like, I don't see anyone posting uh, pictures after they like face mask, tackle some guy down and rip off his helmet. Like, Oh, while that would be kind of cool, Miles Garrett, you know, that lives in infamy of him going after Mason Rudolph. But uh, on, the, yeah. on on Madison and Cook, uh, this is kind of funny. It, it ended happily, but uh, about once or twice. There's a woman I worked with in 2014, about once or twice a year. She messages me for fancy football advice. And she said, what do I do with Cook tonight? And I said, I wouldn't trust him. Um, he's probably going to be like a, a decoy, you know, sort of thing, or maybe just just inspirational speak. He'll go, go in there for a drive and then they'll give it to Madison the rest of the way. And she sent me her lineup and then her options weren't very good. And I was like, oh, well, if this is your bench, then just go with Cook. So I got supremely lucky because she said that was an expensive leak. So that's my that's my cook story on 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 the letdown or the meltdown of the game. I didn't get spooked after the the first touchdown because, you know, this is a football team. that's a proud football team and the Steelers, God damn it. And they're they're going to do their thing. And then then Jefferson had the dropped interception. Then they scored. And then I told my wife sitting right next to me, I was like, if we go three and out, this thing's going down to the wire in general. And sure enough, they did that. And I hate those moments, just an inevitable march to futility. And you're just hoping that the futility isn't ghastly enough because yet we would have owned the regular season record. The Oilers still have the, the, the playoff or historical record of 32 points. But it was just another chapter in trying to determine if this team's good or not. I even convinced myself when the defense was ripping roaring in the first half that I was like, God, well, this is what happens when they get healthy. Maybe that's been this whole thing. And we just can't say it out loud because we used the excuse last year. And then it worked for, you know, an hour and 10 minutes of real time. And then uh, the clumsy defense show back up. So cling to hope of some sort of formulation of the whole thing coming together. And that's what we continue to do. It probably won't happen, but you gotta, you gotta stay invested. So I want to talk about Thielen. Uh, it's been quiet on him the prognosis of him because uh, coronavirus has overshadowed everything in the NFL and the Vikings as well. I think when the, uh, when Thielen hurt himself against the lions, he had the high ankle sprain. Usually depending on the, or depending on the grade, the one that he had wasn't vicious like uh, McCaffrey or Barkley one that keeps you out for two months. So I think it's usually two to three weeks on the one he had, but I haven't heard anything about, you know, is he really going to play? So that leads me to believe that he's just not going to do is that how you feel Sally. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, I haven't heard anything either. Um, honestly, you hear more people gossiping about Everson Griffin starting than Adam Thielen somehow. <laughs> as unfortunate as that is. I think they must be just clamoring for the surprise news that he's ready to go because he's another one where it's not even really like a matter. Not, we don't know if he's coming back at all, let alone there's been no chatter about, yeah, he's getting closer. I think the only thing that you would th- hope is that if he's ready to play, it's just a surprise announcement that he's back. I don't know if that's the deal or not. No, I wouldn't count on it. So I don't know, but to Adam, I haven't heard anything either. So I, I would assume, I would assume he's not. So Ron, you think it's, but I do until Monday. Oh, so maybe, yeah, that's the thing I keep holding out, but, but usually we heard little, we, we'd see little snippets about like, he's questionable or he's, we don't know yet. Or Zimmer would lie to our faces and be like, you're looking pretty good. Um, what do you think, Ron? Yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat. Cause usually even at this point, midweek, it's, well, he's out, out there in a limited fashion or one way or another. And there just hasn't been any news. So I wouldn't anticipate seeing him, but, uh, you know, who knows, maybe Zimmer is just keeping everything on the hush and surprises us. So, well, who knows with everyone dropping with COVID for all the other teams, who knows if there's going to be a weekend this, to play this week. So. I think Who's new so, today? I was taking a nap. The entire Browns team. Well, I know the Browns like every, again. So everyone unfair. on the team is dropping, and uh, yeah, the Browns Stefanski dealt with this whole and last Maker. Year. 
Yeah. yeah. And so, it's their well, starters, too. I don't know if you saw the screenshot that I tweeted. It's their starters as well. It's not like, you know, John Doe on the practice squad. It's starters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's everybody. But they dealt with this for a month last year. That's why it's just like, yeah, and, I, and, yeah. My theory is that, and this is, I probably sound like a conspiracy guy here, and that's emphatically not me. I really think that it would have to probably be Brady or Mahomes <laughs> for them to, for them to talk about postponing. I agree. And I don't even know if they would because the the Bucks would play the saint or the yeah I think they play the Saints this week. But yeah, this is just out of nowhere. I don't know if it's all the cold weather finally caught up. Like with the the lack of masking that we all kind of do now, or I don't know what it is, but it's all, all of a sudden we've never seen anything like this in in football where it's ninety dudes in three days. Well, I saw a tweet before I took a nap that um, they said new restrictions were coming. Mm-hmm. Did they announce what those are with the players' union? No, no, I think they're or new protocols. I guess not restrictions. I think they're <laughs> wiggling through those right now to figure out. Oh, okay. What the deal is? Got it. BMAC. So we've we've talked about this topic, Soldier Field. That's where the Vikings are headed on Monday. Somehow, some way, they're three point favorites, three and a half point favorites, depending on the line that you look at. But give us your little speech for anybody that's new to the show about Soldier Field, about how it's. Oh, the, the field is terrible. But I mean, even Tommy Harris suited <laughs> the field is bad, um, and he tried to explain what's like all underneath of the field <clears throat> that makes it so terrible. So the footing is really bad, and he claimed I'm the one who injured him on that field. Oh, really? Yeah, he said that. So, man, I remember the injury, but, I mean, yeah, I guess combination of the field and me. Uh-oh. And you said, or either you said or someone had said in the past that it's essentially like playing on a beach, right, or it's that type of sand? Yeah, there's, like, something under underneath the grass that is, it shifts a little bit. It's, it's just not good. I always felt like it was muddy or something. I never knew what it was under there, but I think Tommy might explain, like, what's going on underneath. Like, it's a yeah. beach or I, something like that. I remember it vividly. This was before Sally's time. Um, we had Tommy Harris on. Uh, <clears throat> I was I was not either. <clears throat> oh, okay. Excuse me. Well, he said that it's sand underneath. And then we had Devin Hester on, and I followed up with him a couple weeks later, and he said, "Yeah, it's like playing on a beach." So how is that not? How is that allowed? Just been the way of it for what? <laughs> uh, look, I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know it was something weird about their. The grass and uh, do you wear normal cleats on that, or like did you ha- always yeah, you have wear the cleats on there? But you it just it shifts, it's like a little it moves a little bit, it's weird. And does the uh, like weather that happens, like if it rains, does it affect that grass differently than it does other stadiums as well? Their grass is just bad, <laughs> <laughs> it, it checks I don't even know how to put it like it's just bad, like. It checks out that the field is sloppy because that's the adjective I always use to describe the games there for the Vikings yeah. and Bears. Like it's like the atmospheric, it's sloppy, and then the weird stuff that happens when those two hook up in that stadium is sloppy. And if the Vikings win, it feels like it's you know seventeen fourteen, you know, just to survive an advance type of deal. So that's that's I never get excited about this game. Like no matter how good or how bad your team is, I mean I get excited because it's Viking football. But I, I'm never like, oh boy, we're going to Soldier. Like I, I enjoy Vikings playing in Lambeau more for my viewing pleasure than at Soldier because they they flat out they play better at Lambeau. That's a nice little factoid for listeners that nobody really knows is that the Vikings since 2000 are five and 15 at Soldier Field. I don't have their Lambeau record on hand, but it's better than that. They play better at Lambeau Field than Soldier Field. Figure that one out. And that's against Favre and Rodgers for 20 years. More than that. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, Zimmer finally won there last year, right? Oh, he's won there a couple times. Oh, am I Mm -hmm. thinking just against Matt Nagy last year was the first time there? Yeah, in 2017, uh, that was the game that kickstarted our eight-game win streak. Dalvin Cook was uh, lost for the season the week before, and then Forbath nailed a game-winner walk-off field goal, and then we started our eight-game run. Was that a Monday night? Yeah, it was the game Bradford tried to play, and he looked like a fourth yeah. grader. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yep. How mm-hmm. could I forget? And then Case came in, and he managed the game the rest of the way, and then he turned in to just be phenomenal <laughs> afterward. But they did win there last year. Right? Yes. Yep. Yep. And they lost at home again. Yeah, what happened there? That was Dal- – oh, uh, wait. Who was – that was, was – Dalton? No, oh, he was quarterback of the Cowboys. Oh, I think it was well, just Trubisky had... again that beat us, right? Yeah, Trubisky did. Um, yeah. yeah, we had the – the play where 
um, Cousins threw it to Thielen, and Thielen dropped it, and Khalil Mack picked it, and everyone mm-hmm. is ripping Cousins for the for the pick. <laughs> yeah. But are you guys? Surprised? I don't know why it has to be Monday night. Does this draw viewers at the end of the season ever? This game, like, wh- haven't they <laughs> learned by now? Too. Well, this it, one's this one recently at Soldier always is in a prime time slot. Always. Uh, yep. Monday I want to say too. last five years. Yep. Like last five years, it feels like we get them, and maybe it is Monday, but it's always prime time. And then we joke, you know, all the time about how they always come to our building in a meaningless game. Uh, the last last week of the year, right? And it's always. Um, I know they didn't play the year that Chase Daniel came in and won. Mm-hmm. That was the one year that they actually had a noon game. What was that, 2018? But okay. since then, it's it's all Monday nights, and it was Monday night on Halloween. Uh, the year before case, the case game. So yeah, that's right. It's uh, it's not good. <laughs> it really doesn't live up to the name of Skolger Field, but that's, I'm sticking with it. I was surprised that they're like it started off as four and a half, and then it's three and a half, and I almost feel like that should be the line if it was at U.S. Bank. But yeah, it's um, it, we do this weird thing where, especially me, where I can get super optimistic. You know, in an hour's time, we'll be like, this team's actually pretty good. Look at all this talent. And then I can, you know, watch one of these games. And I'm like, God, oh, they're just not very good. So because I go through so much of that, I forget the national viewpoint. But the national viewpoint evidently thinks we're very good, pretty good if we're going to go on the road and get three points, because that's basically like a six point favorite um, the way that they allot the points. So I was surprised to see that one. I thought I would be close to pick them. Well, same with Steelers. What was that for? Yeah, that one, that, that one was at home. And yeah, but. Steelers are Jekyll and Hyde. They beat the Bills this year, and then they look like garbage. They tied the Lions, blah, blah, blah. Right, but still, coming off a loss to the Lions. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, this team, Ron, has to be beaten twice to miss the playoffs. It's basically a double elimination tournament the rest of the way. If you're watching the games, hopefully you will. Um, if you're watching this game Monday, and things start to get shitty, you can say, well, then they got to win the rest of them here on out. If they win against the Bears, but then they play poor against the Rams, well, then you got to go beat the Packers and beat the Bears. So uh, the way that the NFC is shaped up, there is four teams, I believe, that are six and seven. The Vikings have four NFC games the rest of the way, and they already have a mediocre NFC record. So no matter how many times you crunch the scenarios, it basically is three and one to reach the postseason. Ron, do you think that will happen or is that because we're still at only a 32% probability, I think, from from 538.com? Yeah, so I think if we lose Monday, there's zero chance we're winning out. Like I know nothing can be zero or 100, but if they lose Monday, they're not winning out. Um, if they win, um, I do think then they beat the Bears at home in that likely meaningless game. Um, so that's obviously two of them. And I think they could, I hate to say it, they could, but um, they have the ability to find a way to win one of those other games. So again, I will watch them until they're eliminated. I mean, I'll watch them no matter what, but I will root for them to win until they're eliminated. And, you know, I just want to see exciting football here uh, the last couple weeks of the season and see what happens. You're guaranteed to get at least two of those, even though your your hopes will be dampened if they lose to the, to the Bears. But yeah, the mathematics part, keeps going until they lose two. Uh, Brian, it'll be very Vikings-like to lose on Monday, win the next two, <laughs> and then lose to the Bears at home. That would be that would even <laughs> transcend the Vikings. That would be flat out bizarre. Uh, Brian, the the Vikings need to go three and one in the last four. Do you think they're capable of that? I think so. Yeah, three and one. Yep they they can lose to the. I'm just counting on them to lose at the Packers in Lambeau, and, and uh, got to hope for the best in the rest of them. Mm-hmm. They must try to go two and two though, but I can see a potential three and one. Two and two would mean that you would cheer for collapses of those other teams, like the Eagles, the Saints, and the Washington football team. Mm-hmm. And and then then you even now you're asking yourself, well, we get we get in there, and then we're going to play Tampa or Green Bay or Arizona, and then you know God help us unless the good version shows up. So Sally, let's hear let's hear you. Um, I think it's actually very likely that they. Um, only lose one. And I would say that's going to be against the Rams. Um, I don't think that the bears are good at all. I know that hasn't mattered in years past and they've still lost on Monday night, but I'm actually feeling kind of positive about it. Um, I 
can see them winning in Lambeau. I think that's mostly because I think uh, Green Bay, I think the playoff picture for them very likely could already be decided and maybe they will only play the first half with the starters. Um, again, I'm feeling optimistic there. <laughs> I just, I don't see them beating the Rams after the way they performed on Monday night. They definitely seem to have quite a bit of a bounce back um, unless this COVID thing keeps following them. And it'll probably come down to week 18 game against the bears at home. I think for them per usual. Oh, okay. Stay um, one, on brand. <laughs> one thing I want to point out against the, uh, about the bears is that per uh, the EPA statistic, the analytics statistic, they are, their defense is ranked 26th in the NFL. And if you pulled a average football fan on the street, they would tell you, oh, it's the Bears, Monsters of Midway. They got a good defense. They do not this year. It is, in fact, the, what, seventh worst in the world. They don't play good defense. They'll probably play great defense this Monday. But on the whole, just like the Steelers, they have a reputation for playing good defense. But this season, they are not. So if you've got predictions that say 17-14, like the usual grind-it-out slop fest, could very well be true. But the numbers show it should be more explosive, at least on the Viking side, for Christ's sake. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. let's see. But let's historically, see. Mike Zimmer against Matt Nagy, I don't love the record there of one and six um, or what, a one and five, excuse me, six total meetings. I saw Luke Braun ripping people for saying that um, the other day as if it's not a relevant statistic. I don't know. You're the stats guy. You let me know. But I I don't think it's great that he doesn't seem like he can outcoach Matt Nagy, even with backup quarterbacks in any sort of consistent manner. But I'm still I'm still predicting a win. <laughs> it is pretty goofy because it makes Nagy sound like a powerhouse when he is not. He had a nice little honeymoon when he got there, but they have not been good since. All right, what about? Almost like it's setting up to be the game where uh, Justin Fields like just goes off yeah. and and shows uh, you know all those Vikings fans that wanted him and you know all those other people who you know want Nagy out and want someone else to be the guy. Um, it'll show the talent that he has. <clears throat> Yeah, he's going to he's going to do the Trubisky stuff where you think you've got all of the secondary bottled up and then he's going to scamper for 18 yards, going to drive me nuts. And I can I can see it happening now. Um, thankfully, the only time that really he's good is in flashes and stretches in this this rookie voyage for him. It's never been a whole game. Let's see if that holds. But I'm with you. It wouldn't surprise me one iota if he looks like this is welcome to the NFL moment. I will say this. I know like Nagy, I don't think is a good coach. I didn't like him when he first came on because he was that Andy Reed disciple. And as Brad Childress shows, like do those guys ever really do much? Um, but uh, <clears throat> what, what I did like actually about him is he knew that fields wasn't ready to start the year. He took a lot of heat for that. Mm-hmm. Turning out fields. I don't think was ready to play this year. So um, hopefully it doesn't, even though he's in the division, hopefully it doesn't derail his career going forward as like, your head coach uh, kind of put you in a bad spot or the, the organization, the city put you in a bad spot by throwing you out there. And we don't want him to see like, or I mean, as a Vikings fan, I want him to be like ponder, but as someone who wants to see a young kid come in and have success, I don't want him to see a ponder or yeah, to be a ponder. The problem is that right about this time of year, about four weeks from now, we start looking at the draft and then there's some magical machine that brings these quarterbacks who should be in the second and third round and just drags them into the first round because damn it, they're the leader of the team and they're going to go get quarterback wins. And we take guys like fields or God, you know, Sam Darnold, these dudes that based on comparative to the other process in draft, just because they play QB one, they're going to go in the first round. And we've morphed into a culture of if you're drafting the first round, you better be playing your first year or at least show what you got. And then in the preseason, you know, Fields is saying all these things like the game's really slowing down for me. And then he's given the implication that I'm one of these guys who's ready. Like it's on the field and he's not quite ready. And the coach was right all along. So I don't know. I don't know if he made his own bed, but I think just the way that we've come to clamor for rookie quarterbacks excelling like Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes, then Mahomes or this fields guy looks the part. So he better get out there. And so far they've got what four and nine to show for it is their win loss record, but he's got plenty of time. I'm sure he'll be a good quarterback. The offensive line. This one is interesting for the Vikings. Uh, Dara saw, I think should return soon. That's another one where it's just been really quiet. Probably because we haven't seen a, a injury report, but when he gets back, that would 
I believe if they play it right, that would mean that Ole Udo is out of the starting lineup because Derisaw would take that spot back. And then I presumably Mason Cole would stay at right guard. And they might actually have a group that plays pretty well. And ironically, it's something that hasn't been solved in eight years. And it might, it might just come to fruition when Zimmer's up on his way out the door, if that can be believed. So, uh, Sally, do you think that the offensive line this version of it with Derisaw back soon is a good one, or is, are we just trying to speak that into existence? Uh, good. No, I think when it's healthy, it's better than what we have been come accustomed to, as you said, but um, I would not consider it good. No, it's still something that they can, they need to address in the off season. Um, but Derisaw has obviously um, at least given you something to build around for sure. Well, at least we have the edges set. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I mean, I just feel like that's the position that they've had the hardest time figuring out what to do with. So to not have that as a mystery, hopefully in the future, they can do less of this shuffling business. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, I think, we have a much better starting point than we have ever had in the last I, decade. I think or quietly. So. <laughs> what did he say? Yeah. I hate the shuffle. I hate it. <laughs> for one player, you shuffle the whole deck for one player? Like, come yeah. on. <laughs> well, I think um, quietly, at least over the past few weeks, like, because, yeah, I agree. Our book ends with um, Darisau and O'Neal. I think we're good to go um, going forward. <clears throat> but I think Ezra Cleveland has really shown his his ability, um, like mainly when you get him out in space as a pulling guard, like he gets out there and he mauls people. Like he's not a Quentin Nelson, just I'm going to line up against your nose tackle and just drive you into the ground, but get him out in space. And he's creating lanes out there uh, for Dalvin, which is refreshing to see. And I think he's holding up well in pass protection for the most part. And ironically, uh, Bradbury's played a hell of a lot better since Mason Cole's been next to him than before i don't know if it was the fact that he got benched and now it's like hey i need to step my game up or if it's the fact that now you have two centers out there and centers are the quarterback of the offensive line so now you have two guys kind of seeing things maybe that's all that it takes um, because he's used to having dozier udo to his right so he's never had someone that he can rely on and it seems like the two of them have kind of gelled out there um i mean granted it's two games but the Steelers are not a bad defense. Cameron Hayward's one of the best players in the NFL, and they still have a good defense, even though they're mm-hmm. missing a bunch of guys. And like I said, Dalvin wasn't touched until seven or eight yards downfield. So <clears throat> maybe they have something going. Um, I know last year when we were in Chicago on that Monday night game, Akeem Hicks was kind of uh, John at Dalvin. And so maybe, you know, Dalvin looking healthy has that uh, – um, in, in his mind of, Hey, we're going to, we're going to come back. And we're going to get you this, this game again. So, um, we'll see what happens, but I'm actually very intrigued by the O-line and we still have yet to see Wyatt Davis, who I think has a future in this league, but I don't know for whatever reason, why it's not, uh, there's hasn't been anything with an injury, um, that has thrust him into action. So I don't know. Bryant should Vikings fans, how encouraged should they be by basically having the edges settled for the next 10 years? If all goes according to plan and doesn't Matt Khalil us, um, is, that, is that, a, that a big damn deal? And we still got to figure out the middle. What's how do you survey that? Can interrupt for just a second to talk about Lightbox. Uh, say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab grown diamonds are the best, brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of Sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are grown in the lab. Because of their process, they create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue as well as the classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off. Price so they won't have to. They really do make an outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add your sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. Can we say that again? Okay, so <laughs> so with Brian O'Neill, who plays right tackle, and Christian Derisaw plays left tackle, it's the first time in a while that we have two young anchors on the edge of the line. So I'm asking, how exciting is that? Is that is a big damn deal, or you know, is it? You still as long gotta- as they're doing their job, I feel like that's a good deal, and that's somebody that's two people that you could probably look to have for a while. You know what I mean? So 
from there is you start working on the middle, wherever the issue is at the guard situation, and get that corrected since you have two solid tackles. So, yeah, that's a big deal. Okay. The interesting part for Bradbury, who Ron mentioned, is that we have until this spring to decide on his fifth-year option. That doesn't mean that he can't stay with the team. It's just that he's not going to get his uh, first-round what is it? I don't know. It's it's in 13. Yeah. It's like 11 to 13, something in that range. I probably not worth it. They won't pick it up. Yeah. They won't pick that up, but usually that's an indicator that the guy is going to go elsewhere. It happened when with Trubisky, we unfortunately had to do it with Bridgewater. Wait, no, do we opt into Bridgewater's fifth one? I can't remember how that one went down, but it happened with Mike Hughes. Um, But I, I don't think the highest paid center in the league makes 11, 12 million. Yeah. So that's why I think either okay. way they find a way to get a deal um, in an extension in place before that fifth year option. Granted, not many centers get taken in the first round in general, but when they do, it's uh, that you don't see them making that type of money. Yeah. Well, at least from what I've seen. That's why Bradbury was supposed to be such a slam dunk because if you're going to spend first round capital, this guy is going to be the best in the business and he's down like, toward the 29th best in the business, which doesn't cut it. So he's, he's the interesting point. And then we were also not too long ago, back in September, myself included, a lot of us were high on Ole Udo. He, he played well for about two or three games. So right now we have, we have this Mason Cole high that we're on. We got to make sure that's prolonged um, because we were, I was saying for sure the same thing about Udo when he didn't look like a moron in the first three games. That's all we wanted is somebody who didn't look like an idiot and he was playing well. So so keep an easier, eye on Bradbury. Yep. Easier uh, said than done. Well, what the heck do we think is going on with Wyatt Davis? And I couldn't tell you. Because even watching him in college before this last year, um, he was a guy that he looked every bit the part. Um, he reminded me a lot of David DeCastro, just, um, just a right guard that you know you're going to plug him in, be a first-round pick, and he's going to play for a decade with the team, no problem. Um, but – you know, obviously seeing limited action of him in training camp and everything. Um, I know he had the foot injury. I don't know what it is. Um, and maybe this is the Zimmer stubbornness that, that he has where he doesn't like playing rookies, doesn't trust them. Um, Cause even Ezra Cleveland last year, it took how many injuries before he got thrown into action. So I'm hoping that that's the case, that it is the stubbornness of the coach. And it's not that, Oh, this guy can't block. This guy can't play or block anyone. So he, he has the size. He should have the mobility and, Maybe they just need to to develop him into that zone blocking scheme, and maybe that's it too. Um, do, do, was didn't Jordan Reed tell us that he was the most NFL ready though? That he was the most yes. excited about him that's, because of that. Everyone was say, was echoing yeah. that same sentiment about him. That any offensive lineman, um, not one of those premier left tackles, um, he was the instant ready to go. Mm-hmm. So. I don't understand it. There's better minds than me that uh, that probably don't understand it either. I think that based on the way that this head coach does slow roll rookies into action, like it took Jefferson three games and you look back at that and you're like, what? <laughs> like it, it's just, it's notorious for trusting these dudes. And I would say that has to be it. I mean, to have a whole slew of draft minds just wrong, I guess in theory could be correct. I guess they could also just think that Mason and Oli were better, but it, then you're getting up into a lot of what ifs and maybes. And it, it just, I think they probably don't trust him yet for whatever reason. And it's not like, and you've said this before in the show run, it's not like it's good now. So what, what <laughs> is that gonna, not going to ruin a good thing? Right. But, but it's one of those where if it does come out and say, maybe next year he takes that jump, like Ezra Cleveland did and he becomes that starter. And now, now you have an offensive line. That's all 25 and under that you can work towards. And then Oliudo becomes your swing backup yeah. that every team needs. And mm-hmm. he, he can show he can play at the left side, at least at least play. And then he can play at right guard as well. So you you set yourself up nicely to have that those bodies out there without having the need of going and paying Joe Tooney type money um, on a you know 60 some million dollar contract. But you hope that it's corrected in-house and and that it is just a Hey, the fan base wants to get off and or you know get everything up to speed right away, and maybe it is to pump the brakes a little bit. It'll get there. Like Chaz Surratt's another example. Like he was wasn't he our first or no other than Mond? He was a, the next third round pick mm-hmm. that we took, and he hasn't been active at any game. I don't think so. 
you know, maybe there's just something, there's talent there. They just need to harness it, need to find out, to put him in the best situation to be a, a viable option. And hopefully that they, that's just their plan. The next thing I have before we talk about Sally's topic <laughs> is mock draft season. Uh, which one was it? There's what three ESPN now minds with Jordan there, McShay, Kuiper, and Todd McShay released his. Kuiper's still around. Kuiper's been around for a yeah. long time. Oh, yeah. He's well, and still... if you remember Jordan Reed, we had him on um, months ago. Um, he now went to ESPN, which we haven't talked about this a lot, but we've jump-started a lot of careers. Nate Burleson now <laughs> on the CBS morning show. Um, Jordan Reed making the jump to ESPN. So, you know, we're the hardest <laughs> talent here at, at, at Believe in Vikings. It's Brian's friends. How, cool, how cool is it, though, that Jordan is on ESPN? Like, that's, that's awesome. amazing to me. That is just so cool. I'm so yeah, happy for awesome. him. He deserves it. I remember, remember after... Be- sorry. I was just say to be next to those guys too, like draft mm-hmm. legends, you know, draft mind legends. So cool. When we got done with that show, I think it was at end of spring, Sally, I texted you right afterward and said, he's so compelling. You know, it's like, like believable and almost like tell me a story type of dude. And it's, it's very cool that it was rewarded, especially so I, I wasn't around when he was coming up and it sounds like he just just sprung up and you know it was a it all was a, self self work too it seemed yeah. like you know nothing like it was just he worked his tail off got into, into a position he wanted to be scouting and he took that into it like i mean it's it's a really cool story you know and i i don't think he's even 30 yet you know he's uh he's, yeah. he's doing that so good for good for him congrats uh, he's probably not listening but uh yeah uh, <laughs> he built it all himself that's the coolest I, yeah. part you know like he just it was like a hobby for him and he just kept at it and kept doing his draft guides and, you know, worked for a couple of different companies doing, you know, blogging and analyst stuff. But to go from that to ESPN is just yeah, and on air at ESPN, like on the draft shows. That's and their insane. draft uh, personnel. It's been the same two guys over yeah. and over again. Yeah. It's been McShay and Kuiper. As, they haven't, they haven't touched that for, yeah, like, right. Like for 20 something years. As we, right. as we get older, so will Kuiper and McShay. And then there's a very reasonable chance that we're sitting here as 50 and 60 year olds saying, there's our guy, Jordan Reed, like, <laughs> the, the, yeah. author- the authority, right. the Kuiper, you know, and yes. we're, we're like, remember that time when he was on our show? Yeah. <laughs> That's what we do. That's what we're doing right now. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, like, so the, I remember when Jordan Reed had 500 followers and he was my friend. <laughs> That's going to be my claim zeros. to fame. <laughs> hey, Jordan, remember me? Uh, so, in that mock, uh, mock Shay, Mick Shay mock draft, the Vikings were given a cornerback. Uh, even in the potential wake of Zimmer's exodus, boom, we're shopping for cornerbacks. The NFL draft. It was uh, Sauce Gardner uh, from oh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yep. Sauce Gardner. Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Yep. He. Let's take him just based on the jersey alone. <laughs> McShay decided that we're going to finish. Uh, we're going to get the 15th pick, even though right now it's the 12th pick. And if you think about it, Cameron Dantzler is the only dude under contract that's worth a darn that will be on the 2021 Vikings, although a lot will change free agency and whatnot. And yes, I even to even with or without Zimmer are probably going to be cornerback shopping. Well, we will be. And this fix would be a youthful one. Again, the anti Gladney, hopefully. And that's what they have right now. And the, the, the positions that I've identified in my, my mini Jordan Reed brain here is that I think we need to finally bite the bullet at some point and draft an edge rush, rusher in the first round. Uh, we haven't done that since 2005 or Asmus James. We've got lucky that we've acquired Jared Allen, Daniel Hunter, Everson Griffin, and, you know, made it work very well. But I think we probably need to get with the times one of these years soon and get an edge rusher from the first round. And if not that, Anthony Barr probably won't be on this team, and that leaves Kendricks. Vigil wasn't even under contract, so Kendricks and a bunch of the younger dudes. And then my other one is quarterback, because if we want to be one of those teams that reaches for one that had since traded Kirk or something, uh, that one would, if we are rebuilding indeed, that would be also. So I got edge, cornerback, linebacker, and quarterback. Ron, what do you have for that list? I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think one with the need um, of edge and cornerback, but also the depth of the incoming class. Um, I think cornerback and defensive end, this is going to be one of those 
where <clears throat> at least on paper, um, there's going to be a lot of guys that stand out and the corners these days, it's not like <clears throat> when, when Bryant was playing and the great ones were, you know, 5'11", 190. These corners are all the Mike Zimmer corners, the 6'1", 6'2", lanky guys that have the range to cover, but they'll be physical. Um, and you're seeing a lot of these guys in this mold and mainly out of the SEC primarily because they're going up against these big receivers. And now how will that translate to the NFL? I'm not 100% sure because Cam Dantzler is essentially one of those. But um, to see these guys that have the size, speed, athleticism, um, and talent, um, that would be my wish list as a, as a cornerback because it's a position of need. Um, I don't know if Peterson will be back next year, but um, you know, at, at least there will be some free agent that gets added to the room, but you need to draft someone. And then same with defensive end, whoever it is that they go with, obviously the, um, the what Thibodeau and Hutchinson, those guys won't be there. Um, but you know, there's what the Vikings need. There's a lot of talent there. And, um, I don't know if I like any of these quarterbacks well enough to, or good enough to draft in the first round, but Hey, if they find someone that if Malik Willis stands out and like, Hey, we can do something with them. I'm all for that as well, because, um, while I, would like Kirk for the next couple of years. You need to have, I would like it to be set up the way that the chiefs did it with Alex Smith into Mahomes. Now, now you're not going to find a Mahomes, but you don't need him to throw him in right away in a bad situation. Um, you can give him at least a year before you find out what you really have. Bryant in 2002, when you were entering the draft season, so to speak, how did you, know where you were going to go was that your agent were you watching espn or how did you know that you were going to be a top 10 guy oh well yeah they give you projections of where you want to go uh like that you're in the top 10 okay um well one thing is that you get a rating uh you get a grade uh coming out okay and it fluctuates during the season so i mean i remember my senior year yeah, I was. I would be one. I'd be number one, graded number one. One week, one week, I'd be number two. Okay. It went back and forth a lot between one and two. Was always me and Julius Pepper. They actually put us on a magazine cover together. Um, really? At one point. Yeah, I, I had the magazine. I, I, I feel like I posted on my Twitter. I mean, my Instagram a while ago. But they put us on a magazine together. But we didn't shoot it together. Like they took our images and just put it together. Like as we were together. <laughs> Then it was like a it was like a draft like magazine type of thing um, from us being number one and two uh, for our grades. So between that, you have an idea if you grade it, you know, one or yeah. two. And, and you see it at the grocery and store. And you're <laughs> that, and then you know, and then the scouts too. You know, the scouts always kind of get their opinion on where they think you're going to go. So like for me, a lot they kept telling me I was going to um, Buffalo, Buffalo or San Diego. Yeah, so Buffalo or where? Or San Diego, so it was always oh. like they kept telling me number four because based on the um you know team need, so I was supposed to go as early as number four. Wow! But they took Mike Williams. Oh yeah, Sally, like, what what is your biggest need for the twenty twenty two Vikings? You know this stresses me out. I hate the draft so much. Well, you your best pals, Jordan. Don't let Jordan Reed hear this. <laughs> You remember last year what a mental breakdown I had over the mock draft? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I can't do it. your notes and <laughs> I can't do it. I was so stressed. Uh I can't yeah, I can't do that again this year. I'm gonna be sick. Um I, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, there's gonna there's a lot of questions. Um the defense obviously is gonna be um pretty much needing to be rebuilt. Um, not as many concerns on offense, thank God. Um but yeah, I think you guys pretty much already hit the nail on the head there. All right. So but I do hate the draft. I'm, I'm going to tell Jordan. This he is- probably already knows he was on. Oh, no, he wasn't during that. But <laughs> I just hate it because it's just, you know, it's so unpredictable well, in so fun. many aspects. No, I don't like chaos like that. Okay. Well, that's fair. No. Mm-mm. All right. <laughs> so- well, t- take it away what's what's your segment tonight well i don't know let's do some uh playoff predictions who do you guys uh who who do you guys think are the front runners right now and who do you think who is your like um dark horse that's going to sneak in in both both uh conferences so one team that i think is a dark horse if the coach gets 
ironically less aggressive is the Colts. Um, and maybe, maybe it's the recent hard knocks and watching it, but in the games I've watched of them, when they stick to Jonathan Taylor and running him behind that great offensive line, they put up points and they score when Reich thinks that Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz of 2017 and would dropping back to throw the ball every damn time. They're not going to like, he throws bad interceptions at times. So, and that defense, Darius Leonard, the new peanut Tillman, where, you know, you just watch him and like every game he's punching a ball out and it's, that's an impact um, or an impact that continues to show up. So that's a team that would be uh, uh, that I wouldn't want to play if I'm in the AFC. Um, Obviously the chiefs, uh, with Mahomes, you can never like somehow they're still eight, nine, whatever their record is. Um, with I am four, yeah, with Mahomes not playing the best, but I would like to think that they he has enough equity to, that he can turn it around. Um, so that would be my AFC on the NFC side. Um, I mean, it's the Cardinals taking a hit with DeAndre Hopkins. I think that's gonna that's gonna hurt, and I hate. Hate to say the Packers, um, but I wouldn't put it against Aaron Rodgers, um, like because he's been the most consistent since Week One, um, the consistent quarterback in the NFC. Because um, Stafford has had some ups and downs, um, but you know I, I wouldn't want to play the Packers either. But then there's always there's the goat standing there, and who who wants to play Tom Brady? I don't care if he's a seven seed or a one seed. You're getting Tom Brady in that defense. I am going to, first of all, echo what you said about the Colts. They are the most slept on AFC team because they do everything well, flat out. Everything they do from drafting players to head coaching, everything on the football team, they do well. They just were ravaged by an 0-3 start to the season, and that's the only reason they are teetering on the playoff spot. Do I think they're going to get Super Bowl? No, but I think they can win a playoff game. Um Outside of the Chiefs and the Patriots, every single team that's in the AFC is fraudulent. None of them are trustable. And the Patriots aren't even supremely trustable with a rookie quarterback. Um, it was the, the show that sponsors the, the betting company that sponsors us, Bet Online. So seven weeks ago, I, I made the first bet of my life. My wife and I decided that we were going to bet 150 bucks with the free sign-on bonus with bet online on the Chiefs because they were three and four and they were plus 1400 odds to win Super Bowl. So I put that down. They've won six games straight. And if they win Super Bowl, I think that we win like 2,500 bucks. Uh, so I, I think I'm selfishly sticking to that. I trust that Mahomes will do the thing when it gets to the playoffs and their defense has already gotten much better over the past two months. I don't know why they were shitty in the first half of the season. So I'm going to take the Chiefs to get out of the AFC because the rest of the competition is not stifling. And then the NFC, I am going to stick with my preseason prediction because of all the playmakers on the team, and that's the Rams. They will probably have to be road warriors, but I think they have the most complete roster. Uh, The Cardinals are kind of showing that they need to crawl before they can walk, and then teams don't repeat, and I, I have to believe it when I see it with the team repeating. And then I never trust the Packers in the playoffs because they always do Packerish things in the NFC Championship. So that leaves me with the Rams, and I don't trust the Cowboys either because they're not very good. So uh, I don't know who I'm going to pick to win that game, but I say Chiefs and Rams in the Super Bowl. If it's anything like that Chiefs Rams game Monday night game in Mexico from a few years ago, I think everyone will uh, yeah be pretty excited about that. But Jared Goff oh, not coming through that door. <laughs> what was the score? There? I think it was like 51-45. or yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, I'll look it up. Yeah, Bryant, Bryant what's your crazy. Super Bowl? I haven't even thought that far ahead yet because I got to see how these teams are like really playing because we just start in December. Yeah, so somebody started going and getting in a rhythm. Um, yeah, it's way too soon. You know, starting like now, and then I just want to see how it carried out to the end of this month, and it'll carry over to the playoffs. Fifty-four, fifty-one, Rams over Chiefs, November nineteenth, twenty eighteen. Yeah, that right. game was fun to watch. Sally, you asked Dang. the question. Um, I mean, honestly, Dustin, I completely agree with you. Um, Chiefs for the AFC. It's really disappointing what's happened to Buffalo. Um, mm-hmm. you know they seemed like they were going to be the team to beat, you know, with their roster and other than when they came out flat, you know, um, early on, who, who did they lose to right away? Pittsburgh. Week one. Oh yeah. Pittsburgh. They, you know, they really seemed like they were on a roll and now I don't know what's going on there. So um, I think it's another situation of a coach just thinking, overthinking things. Like 
I understand that you don't have the best running backs, but if you know Josh Allen's dropping back 50 times to throw it, mm-hmm. uh, you can stop him because he's not he's not a, a going to be an accurate quarterback every step of the way. He's a great player, but he's going to have his bad throws, and you need to supplement that with some sort of running game. And I don't understand why why they just don't. Even the game against the Patriots where. Belichick is like, hey, we're not going to throw the ball at all. And they're they're mm-hmm. like, hey, we have Josh Allen. We'll still fling it around. Nope, didn't work. Yeah, I, I would agree, too, that uh, most of the AFC, I do feel like it's pretty fraudulent, which I feel like at the beginning of the year, at least me personally, I felt like the AFC was significantly better than most yeah. of the teams in the NFC as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, I if for the Dark Horse, I would – I want it to maybe be the Bengals, but they've lost three in a row. So I think that's unlikely, but the Browns have no business. I don't think even being in the conversation, <laughs> even, even with before this COVID thing happened, Baker Mayfield is so terrible. Um, <laughs> and I, I know he's hurt. And so it's not really his fault, but I feel like Kevin Stefanski should have put his foot down and said, look, case is playing. Like we have, a, we have an opportunity to win the division and Baker Mayfield is kind of a liability right now at some points. Um, But anyway, so that's AFC. NFC, I really want it to be the Rams. I think they played so much better um, on Monday night. Obviously, Packers, for obvious reasons, I don't believe in them either. Um, Dallas isn't looking great. Um, And then as far as sneaking in there, I mean, obviously, it's going to be the Vikings. So. The team to get hot. Nobody wants to play them. <laughs> Nobody wants to play the Vikings. Proverbial. No. Yep. No. It's funny. They're getting a lot more love as the, as a team that's fighting to make the playoffs than a team that w- when they were in that sixth spot or whatever. It's like mm-hmm. I, team like all the national analysts are saying. I don't want to. Play, I wouldn't want to play that team. Dalvin. No. You know, um, no. Adam Thielen comes back. Jefferson out there. Yeah. And so they are a scary team, but. Uh, I don't yeah. want the Vikings coming to my house. That's what they're all saying. No. And we're all like, oh, dear God, we got to go to the Bucks' house. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, and you obviously can't count out Tom Brady either. So that's probably – I would really like to see him in Stafford in the NFC Championship game. I think that would be a good game. Yeah. The weird thing, Ron, about the running backs when you're talking about the Bills not doing it. Well, first of all, we can't say established run anymore because you get savage for being an old time mind that you don't need to run the ball anymore. Not allowed to say that. Um, But it's weird. The teams that can't do it don't go far. Um, And the thing that's strange about having Devin Singletary, Zach Moss and Matt Breida on your roster is if you gave that to the Patriots. That'd be like the, they best, make it tri- work. the best trio that they've yeah. had that Brady ever had. And but when, it, when it's on the Bills, it's like, well, they don't have a running back. Right. It's like they don't. Brady won Super Bowls out the wazoo right. with having a trio of you know guys that should deliver milk for a living. Well, it's one of those where again back to like again with the hard knocks in season where going back to that Colts Bucks game when and I remember even watching the game. The Colts are up by two scores, and I'm like. Wright's going to find a way to screw this up. Sure enough, the Bucks took the lead, and then they gave the ball to Jonathan Taylor, and they ran it the entire mm-hmm. way. But I don't know if you watched it, but Quentin Nelson went up to the coach, and he's like, we need to run the ball this drive, the, the entire drive. And, like, you know, just swear at it, like that, not in a mean way, but uh, whatever. They did get a touchdown, and then Reich was like, way to, way to back up uh, what you're talking about. It's like you have the, the guy who's running the ball better than anyone right now behind that old line, and you have a lead, and you're not giving it to him. Like, Brian, how frustrating would that be? You, have, you had Adrian in his prime, best running back, <laughs> fantastical offensive line. How pissed would you be if the coach is like – Nah, you know what? Like, I don't even know who, know who the quarterback was at that. I can't even think of like Odd. eight. Um, yeah, like, oh, <laughs> gosh, go go throw it around the field and see what happens. Like, like does that make any sense? No, it doesn't. Not if you have a good run game. <laughs> you definitely want to run the clock out a little bit. So yeah, no. Yeah. <clears throat> the problem is, I think, is that we've. So we we recognize analytics that say, you know, third down conversion, passing on third down, that really determines football games. I think that we we look at that and then we just drag that into got to pass the ball, got to pass the ball. And the whole league is throwing the ball more. So that's fine and dandy. But you still have to be able to run to, you know, have the surprise element of throwing the ball. And so but it's it's if you even teeter on saying, well, yeah, we need to run the football more. It's like, oh. It's archaic. It's what they did in the seventies, and, <laughs> and that's every team. That's every you say that about every team, and you're met with that type of resistance because passing the ball win games. We get it, but you still got to be able to run the clock out at times. So. 
All right, panel. That's all we got. Brian, if you want to start thinking about guests, I think we've had about three or four weeks with our analysis shows. We could probably be due for one of your pals. No, no pressure or anything. But just Who's the next game? Next game will be the Rams at U.S. Bank Stadium. Okay. Yep. So keep in the back Day of your after mind. after Christmas. Well, yes. Okay. All right. To to the folks there in the Twin Cities, be safe the rest of the evening with crazy wind, crazy, crazy weather. I have that in South Dakota. I think it's done. Yeah. Yeah. survived it's all done that was uh glad it wasn't worse <laughs> okay. all right because it's bad other places so i'm glad everybody's you. okay everybody be safe all right that's all we got Skull Vikings. Skull. Bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.